0: It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Learn It From An 80s Song. Today, we have a very special guest. Please welcome Neil Seligman. Neil is a true pioneer in the consciousness space. He is deeply committed to his work. He's the founder of The Conscious Professional and author of two amazing books, 100 Mindfulness Meditations and Conscious Leadership. Not only that, he's also a fixture on the international speaking circuit, captivating audiences from around the world. But that's not all. Neil has something exciting coming up. His forthcoming sound healing app, Saxon, offers a cutting edge spiritual technology that connects you with the rich field of potential from which wisdom emerges. It is truly groundbreaking. Now, before we dive into our conversation with Neil, we get to explore with him a significant experience in his life where he overcame a struggle or endured a growth opportunity. And at the age of seven, Neil heard this one song on the radio that awoke a part of him. So stay tuned to listen to what that song is and to hear more from our inspiring guest, Neil Seligman. Welcome, Neil. It is so great to have you here on the show. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure and honor to be part of it. It's so good to see you.
0: So great to see you. Neil and I met each other at the Wahasu, uh, the world happiness summit in Lake Como. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed meeting Neil. Neil was one of those people that I gravitated to right away. We'd never met before, but I remember seeing him and going, you know, I'd really like to talk to him more. And so we had the opportunity to, um, Well, I had the opportunity to uh, like uh, pour my soul to him one night, you know, how like you meet people in your life and, and there's just this connection. And I remember meeting him, we went out for dinner and we had the deepest conversations that I've had. And I just met, I just met Neil. So that speaks a lot, obviously to you, Neil, as a person, as a human, we'll talk more about your strength and why that might be that I felt so comfortable with you. And, um, but I just, am so happy to have you here. So thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, no, it's wonderful. And it was, it was such a joy to meet you as well. And, um, I feel like you're just one of those people when, when you find them, whatever stage of your life it is, it's like, oh, you're part of the, the sort of soul group family. And that's the click for me.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. So this is the part of the show which I'm like, really, it's hard for me not to just jump right into the song right away. But because it's I'm not going to spoil it at all. Audience, get ready for it. Get ready for it. I mean, this podcast has been on for almost three years in August, and this song has not been selected. And you're going to wonder how and why, you know, but like, just wait for it. I'm just building it up for you. So without further ado, What is the song that best resonates with the story you're going to share with us today? Can I get a drum roll, please? All right, Neil, what is your song?
1: Take On Me by Aha, And I can't believe it hasn't been chosen yet either because, like, come on.
0: No, I mean, come on already. So I chat GPT'd it because after I listened to it about Seven times this morning, and I remember dancing to this song so vividly. And I was in middle school. I'm a little older than Neil, and so I was in middle school. And I just remember hearing this song and just want to jump up and down, and just such great energy in the song, and such a great song. So, but here's what ChatGPT had to say about the song. So I had to I had to put it in there, and I also cross referenced it with Wikipedia. But here's what ChatGPT has to say. It is a chart-topping success. Take On Me was released by the Norwegian band AHA in 1984, but it wasn't an instant success. It was remixed from its first version and then re-released with a groundbreaking music video, which we all know and remember and has made a comeback on TikTok. Uh, it seems, uh, was released in 1985. That track then completely skyrocketed to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in the United States, making AHA the first Norwegian band to achieve this feat. So not only that, they had the second component is the, the pioneering animation. The music video for Take On Me is widely recognized. And as I mentioned before, I've seen like um, like filters or something on TikTok that look very similar to the video. So it combined live action footage with re- uh, rotoscoped animation, which that goes right over my head. Um, but um, it's a technique that involves tracing over live action frames to create an animated effect. So the the video's unique style was directed by Steve Barron and won several awards, including six MTV uh, Video Music Awards in 1986. And then finally, we have to talk about the vocals, the high note. One of the most distinctive aspects of Take On Me is Morton Harkett's uh, impressive vocal range. So uh, apparently he hits this incredible high note that, is about the height of two octaves above middle C. Now, I'm not musically trained, but what I do know is that part of the song when he sings that that high note, it's like we all feel it like in our soul. Like it's it's just it's it almost feels almost inhuman in some way. Like it's just magical. So, anyway, I'd love to hear uh, you're going to talk later about how it resonates with your story, but um I'm sure you enjoyed being a musician as you are, the musicality of the song.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the I think the singing is exceptional, but the video itself, like I was re-watching it and it's got so many layers to it and it feels just as poignant and kind of clever in terms of its commentary on the human experience today as it did then. Which is so wild because you know a lot of the things we look back on. You think, yeah, it was kind of of a time. Whereas this could be coming out now, and I think yeah. people would be going crazy for it. So yeah, so many layers to it. Quite spiritual, actually, in the way it kind of shows those sort of interdimensionality of the sort of pencil drawn world and then the the more real visual world and how they kind of that you know, the pe- the the girl and the boy are trying to find each other and move through the kind of matrix of these portals or whatever. It's yeah, it's very, very cool.
0: Yes. I need to go back and watch the video again because um I want to I want to see it from that perspective, you know, today, you know, looking at it from today's perspective really cool really and like you had said lots of layers and i i can't wait to go back and and watch that so already you know we talk about action items um audience but uh we already have one and that is to watch the music video um and discover those layers for yourself look at it see how it might resonate with yourself personally as well
1: yeah i think it's had yeah. 1.6 billion views on youtube 1.6 billion wow
0: yeah wow <laughs> That's amazing. Amazing. So, from here, tell us a little bit about your story.
1: Yeah. So, the link I'm making is to my coming out story because that sort of hitting the top of the charts happened when I was still quite young. So, seven, seven or eight years old. But that song was like at every disco going forward in my that decade from seven to like 18 before I went to university. Like, whatever little. Bob, we were going to they would always play that song and it stuck around like it's still around now you still hear it at weddings and you know it's one of those songs that you just want to pull out and obviously Morton Harkett's a very good-looking man and there was just something about the energy of the song the beauty of the lyric the stuff, the whole thing which was awakening maybe I think my sexuality I guess and yeah. Sort of drawing me towards something that I, I didn't know at the time, but was you know, going to be you know who part of who I am, really important part of my identity.
0: Yes. Very, very cool. And I can hear how, you know, just hearing that song for you just awoke a part of you that's like, that just kind of like, was that synapse that went off and that was like.
1: As, you know, someone coming out when you're gay and I didn't actually come out until i was 19 so it took me quite a while but the whole sort of you know this is the 80s as as we know the sort of permission for exploring your sexuality in one direction was like full on you know boys and girls but there wasn't really any permission for the other and so i was sort of picking up these clues from around my world mm. of this sort of emergent truth within me that would later find a way to flourish. But it. I think it can be a really confusing time for, for young people to go through that.
0: Absolutely. So it was like, from now looking back on it, you can see that that was, you know, one of the first clues that you that you had. Yeah. And it is Pride Month. Happy Pride, by mm-hmm. the way.
1: Yeah, happy Pride.
0: And, you know, I'd love, you know, if if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your experience of coming out, if, you know... You know, like you had mentioned, having clues along the way. How was that for you? What was that experience like for you, if you don't mind sharing?
1: Yeah, of course. So I think my story is a little bit unusual because as I was going through my teens, I was, you know, I had quite a lot of girlfriends and I really enjoyed the company of girls and and found it really refreshing to talk to girls. I was in a boys' school in the uk and you know i just found it a really kind of breath of fresh air having an opportunity to talk to the other kind of sex and kind of get to get to know this whole other energy and vibe (laughs) exactly so i wasn't sort of clear it wasn't obvious to me what my sexuality was and then when i went to university i found myself at a party and I, I was always very open-minded. I could never like abide by homophobia, which was kind of all around at the time. I you know would kind of be vocal about that. But it wasn't at that time because I had a clear idea of my own identity. But it was open-minded enough when I was at a party and I was chatting to this guy that when there was an attraction there, I just let myself flow into it and follow that path. And that first you know, kiss with a guy turned into a two-year relationship where I felt wow. myself more free more you know all of the things that the songs <laughs> kind of talk about yes and it wasn't that I hadn't been in love before because I love most people like I I, I love to love <laughs> yeah uh, I can fall in love quite easily but it was a very it was a different kind of mm-hmm. added dimension of, of love passion, you know, excitement, sexuality, nervousness, all of the things that go into those. And so as a result of that relationship, I came out to my family and friends. Friends were absolutely fine and supportive and, and great. Brother was great. And my parents took a bit of time to figure that one out. Yeah. And we went through a bit of a decade that was pretty rocky. In terms of our relationship, as they were struggling with that as an idea, and they, they you know, they're in their seventies now, and we have a very loving and open relationship. And, you know, they, they fully accept me and my partner, Jack, and we're, you know, as part you know, of the big family as, as anyone else. But it was, it was a bit of a ramp to, to get here. So,
0: yes, yes, yes. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And that just, You know, we'll talk more about your strengths later, but I can see just so much bravery in that. And, you know, and I think it's just such a a beautiful story of like, because now you're on the other side of it all. You can see from perspective. I'm wondering, you know, looking at today, current times, I mean, if I look back at, you know, you know, my childhood and that it wasn't accepted, you know, I grew up down South also. So I need to, you know, preface that. So it was even more challenging for, for people who living in the Southern states of the United States, it was even more challenging because of religious component, mostly conservative, you know, being conservatives. So my question to you is like now looking at it, like, did you, would you have ever imagined that it would be as it is today? And then, you know, what are your thoughts on it? Like looking, looking at where you are now, your history, and then also where we are today. Tell me a little bit about your thought process around it.
1: Yeah, so it's a confusing time, I think, the sort of modern lens into the LGBTQ plus experience, because in one sense, there's sort of more acceptance and permission than there ever was. But in another sense, there's a sort of rising culture, culture war, that seems to be pitting a sort of us against them type of Battle, which I'm not sure if it really exists at all. and right. um, the whole kind of take on me, take me on lyric is is some is an individual asking to be accepted by another individual? And I think that's why it's so resonant, right? Because there's a part of the human heart that is always wanting to to reach out and connect. And when we do that, we have to be a little bit courageous because there's a risk that we, then we might get a no. Um, right. We don't always get a yes when we do that. And so that sort of fragility of our human emotional experience is so precious. And then when you see that at the sort of more community level, you know, all the, you know, if I think back to me growing up as a, a repressed gay teenager who was so repressed, I didn't really know I was gay, then Society was, was not reaching out in a welcoming way towards my truth. Right. I had to, and my truth had to sort of break through structures and relationships with the potential of breaking them mm-hmm. in order to express the flourishing of, of who I am. And when you see that at a community level, you know, gays have at times had to break through to be seen. Yes. And if we, you know, I'm not an expert in these types of issues other than my own experience, but, you know, what I see in the world as other layers of our community are, are rising to greater vis- visibility, that we all need to, I think, support them to break through, but also be kind of reaching out with that sense of human acceptance of, you know, you're welcome just as you are. And, you know, th- th- there's really nothing to lose. And this is what I, you know, worry about is that. The sort of sense that there's something to lose in in allowing everyone to be included as they are um, I think as as society we have everything to gain from diversity of voices people's ideas, ways of expressing all aspects of the you know human nature sexuality gender all of these things is all part of this Wonderful kind of rainbow of life that mm. everyone is a part of because everyone ultimately is a bit of a weirdo, right? We all think we're the weird one or the not yeah. normal, whatever. Like we all have our quirks. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I find it sad when these sorts of clashes are manufactured around people who are, you know, coming forward with, like, this is me, take me on. <laughs> it's like, let me be part of it. I am part of it. Let's let's just acknowledge that, make yes. room for that. So that's, that's kind of my Your take long on it. ramble. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes, I know. It's like, it's, it's, you know, as I was reflecting and talking to you, just the juxtaposition of 40 years, quite, you know, it's, it's quite significant, but I do just like you had said, just being accepting of everybody, no matter who they are. And I just think it's important that especially in this month of pride, which is amazing that we have a month that's pride and that we really reach out to those. Like you had said, it's not just about us accepting. It's about actually reaching out to accept, you know, reaching, like being more proactive about it, about accepting others.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's, that's the direction of travel that I'm here for.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, thank you for, for that impromptu Question. It just was in my head, and I was curious from your perspective. So, with that, tell us. I know you already have shared a little bit about the song and how it resonates. Tell us a little bit more about that, just you know, for our audience.
1: Yeah. So, I think you know that sort of that whole idea of looking for love, looking for acceptance, um, you know, has been a preoccupation for me, you know, since that sort of, you know, those first teenage relationships. But then, you know, I've been with my current partner for nine years, and, and we've kind of, we found each other, you know, that sort yeah. of little miracle that happens between one breath and the next found each other. But my journey there was, you know, one of the most, I think, confusing parts of my life was, I felt like I had pretty good handle on a lot of things in my life, but my relationships were, a big learning ground and and lots of kind of turmoil and ups and downs and um, things obviously that didn't work out long term, but you know amazing experiences along the way. but I think that you know that song you know started when I was seven, but I've heard it I must have heard it several times a year since I was seven, and yeah, it's kind of always been there in the background um, and and I've got to the place now where I, I feel that acceptance and, and love and, and it's not just from another person it's also from myself that's been the sort of the deeper journey of self-acceptance for who I am in all of my octaves you know in all of yes. the different aspects of of me you know gay but in the corporate world you know partnered spiritual very spiritual you know energy healer and um, there's all these kind of Different parts of me, and you know, it's still probably part of my journey is allowing myself to be all of it, kind of all the time, rather than showing a compartmentalized bit to different, you know, people in different things that I do. But just allowing all of myself to be kind of welcome wherever I wherever I go. So yeah, that's kind of a deeper stream, I think, of self acceptance that lives underneath the outer world
0: stuff. Yes. Like you had said, take me on, take, you know, it's um, me, all of me, you know, who I am.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Really nice. Such a great song, such great messaging. And I love how you integrated the layers back in because initially when you talked about the song, you talked about how in the music video, how there are so many layers to it. And then you talking about yourself and all of the layers that we have as human beings you know, who we are to our core. We can identify all of these from a business standpoint, from sexuality, all of these things, but it's like who we are to our core as human. Yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so now's a part of the show where we talk about strengths, speaking of layers. And I know you have an amazing package of strengths and I actually have them in front of me. And if you don't mind if I read them off, but before I do, let me just tell the audience you know, we talk about the via strengths assessment in every episode and the via strengths assessment is completely free. You can do it online and I'll put the link in the show notes for everybody so that you you know where to go. And actually I just got a, their newsletter, the via strengths, and they have like a whole using your strengths through the month of June. So check it out, you know, find out what your strengths are and then look at that, you know, using your strengths the month of June. It would be really, really fun to do. And And then, so finally, the 24 strengths that you'll get is really unique to who you are. So the 20, we all have these strengths within us, all 24 strengths. So, you know, some are our signature strengths, which are usually our top, they usually say top three to seven are our signature. So that's where, you know, when you're working within those strengths, you really feel lit up and you feel energized when you're working within them. Now, the lesser strengths, are not weaknesses. I always need to make sure everybody knows that because oftentimes, you know, we're wired hardwired to see negatives. So sometimes we will get that read out and we'll go straight to the bottom. What am I what is my least best strength? And <laughs> I'm encouraging you to don't look at the bottom, look at the top, look at your top signature strengths first and just know that the lesser strengths are all trainable. That's the other thing. There's more and more research right now out about how we can really train our lesser strengths and, and uh, there are lots of tips on how to do that. So finally, Neil has an amazing package of strengths. And I'm going to point out already through the, our conversation, how we may have heard some of these. So his number one strength, and um, let me just pull it up here is honesty, which like, you know, how I had mentioned when I had met Neil, I was like, Oh, I just felt so connected to him. I, I just, and I could sit down and start pouring my soul to him, which isn't something I do very easily. I'm, I, I know I'm a very outgoing person, but actually when it comes to very personal and deep things, I'm a little more careful on where I talk about those things. And so it was Neil's honesty that that I saw first. And he had such an honest and kind way of being. And kindness is another strength, but you can see how that honesty how easy it would be to talk to somebody who who had that honesty in their top strength. So that's his number one. And that's about speaking the truth. But it's also about, you know, what's interesting about honest is not just being honest with others, but it's also about being honest with oneself. And you heard through Neil's story that he had those moments of honesty with himself or when he had his first kiss, you know, he's like, yes, this is, that turned into a two-year relationship You know, so he was able and brave. I mean, we have to look at bravery because we're talking about what the 1990s, probably at that point. And, you know, to come out to his family and come out to his friends. and But that took honesty and honest with himself and honest with others as well, but also linking bravery with that. And then his number two strength is gratitude, which Neil, with his work, which he'll talk a little bit about in a moment. You know, talks a lot about consciousness and gratitude is very much part of his practice. Number three, it's amazing you've got this is forgiveness. That's amazing. I mean, that forgiving those who have done wrong and accepting others. and you we heard earlier on in Neil's story about how he did have to forgive. You know, he did have to forgive people who maybe weren't accepting at first that I imagine he exercised that strength and and it's amazing that he's got it in his top strengths. Really, really amazing. Love is number four. And you heard him talking earlier about he's just like, I love to love. And that's him living in his you know signature strengths, valuing close relationships with others and sharing and caring is being very reciprocated, which is cool with what's cool about love. And you know, is that people who have love in their top strength often have long-term relationships. We've got creativity, which, well, Neil can speak more to this, but he is an artist. He's also a musician, photographer, you know, so he's got a whole thing that he can talk a little bit about if he'd like to, but creativity is very much in his strengths. So he was a lawyer. And so fairness and justice is very much part of, of that role and then we've got curiosity, appreciation of beauty and excellence, leadership and love of learning. So, amazing, right? Amazing package of strengths. Tell us a little bit about how let's talk about first how you use your strengths through your story that you shared and then how you can how you use your strengths today in your work.
1: Yeah. So, in my story it all centered around a truth that was emergent in me. And then the initially the feeling of that truth and the experimenting with that truth and the knowing of that truth. And then the speaking of that truth to the people that I loved and the people that were pivotal kind of foundations in my world. And I think because I've always had sort of truth as a bit of a guiding light in my life. Like if there's one question That my life is about in this lifetime i would say it's what is true that's like that's what i want to know that's what i want to know i i don't want to kind of nonsense stuff i want to go straight for what's true and i have a really clear resonator for truth so it made me quite a good barrister when i was a lawyer because if you're cross-examining someone you've got a really good radar for truth then it's it's easier to kind of get to the bottom of things but um I use that in my work now, one by I quite happy to be the one who names what is happening. You know, so if conversation is going awry, or if there's a problem or there's some sort of challenge that everyone's kind of feeling a bit scared to go in on, i'll I'll name it, and i'll I'll speak the truth of that thing because I'm not afraid to stand in that sort of energy. The energy of truth can be a bit overwhelming but it's something that I feel comfortable in. So there's that. And then when I, when I do my one-to-one work with people, part of my intuitive gift is helping them to navigate through any tangles of their own thinking and mindset and, and so on to uncover and reveal their own truth. So if, if it, in my presence truth has a sort of leg up and arising in those around me as well because that's what I very firmly kind of stand for in my own practice and in my work. So yeah, so the truth will set you free. And it set me free by yes. being a big, big old gay. So okay. well,
0: that and being a lawyer and, you know, all of the mindfulness work that you do, you know, I can see how that just that truth, the honesty, all of that just coming through as your through line, really. Yeah. And yeah. it just happens to be your number one.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting that popped up right at the top, because I would have said that as well.
0: Yeah, really yeah. cool. Really cool. So, I mean, I don't know if you would like to share this, but I also know that, you know, share a little bit about your artwork that you do. Would you mind sharing that? Because yeah. I am very interested, you know, obviously in that I'm going to be commissioning Neil for, for the experience, but go ahead and, and share it.
1: Yeah. So um, in my, I transitioned from being a barrister um, and and my legal practice to founding my own business, The Conscious Professional, and and then working in the field of mindfulness and well-being. And part of that transition was a big kind of opening up to, to who I was. And what was most surprising about that sort of rediscovery period was that I discovered myself to be an artist was not on the cards at all like i kind of like photography but i had no idea this was in me in fact i probably would have bet against this happening um but i was in a partnership with a a guy who was an artist and he started including me in his work and turned out i had a real kind of natural ability with it and enjoyed it so we we did lots together we even you know performed together we would do these spontaneous light drawings and things He's an amazing artist as well, um his name's Neo Hart. Uh, you can check that out too if you're interested. Um, but as we sort of our work started to grow in slightly different directions, I developed over a number of years a process that I call my soul portrait experience. And it is it's difficult to explain, which is why I've made a video to kind of show what it's all about. But the aim is to capture, and witness someone within their soul expression. And so I use Reiki healing, energy work, sound healing, colored fabrics in a photo studio or a dance studio, just a big open space. And I give these intuitive cues for the person to start engaging with questions, but answering them in the form of play with colored fabrics and no words, just answering questions with fabrics, moving them around, Some people are very sort of small and quiet in their movements. Other people get up and they're dancing and moving around. And and then the questions get sort of deeper and and more profound. And there may be encounters. The fabrics sometimes turn into individuals in our lives, Um, almost like a family constellations Mm. sort of energy starts appearing in the room. And the output of it, because I'm taking photographs during it, are what most people look at and, and think of as a watercolour image, which can be very abstract, but sometimes there are moments of of capture of the person's face or their body, and they almost create a, a personal tarot because you end up with about 10 to 20 images all holding a little vibration of that mm. person's story or soul or essence. Mm. And it's honestly one of the most beautiful things that i i get to do in my life I, I i think i probably enjoy it more more than anything else because it's such a there's it's so true it's so honest people can be exactly who they are and there's a purity to it and a, and a sort of almost a sacred spirituality to it that i find just a delight to be to be part of so yeah that has turned into my my art practice
0: wow it's so incredible it is so, yeah, and I've seen, you know, this will be, this link will be in the show notes so that if you are interested in this, participating in this art form, you'll be able to see it and then access it through Neil. So, yes, and I'm looking forward to it because I was telling my husband about it this weekend, actually, and I'm trying to describe it and uh, you did a much better job than I did. <laughs> it's,
1: a, it's a tricky one to explain, I have to say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and I get fabrics and I dance around. And he's like, this sounds exactly up your alley.
1: <laughs> I just showed people the video now. It's like, this is what happens.
0: <laughs> Anything else in your, your work? Can we talk about Saxon? Hello? Should we be talking yeah. about that?
1: Yes. We can talk about Saxon, yeah. <laughs> um, we got in beta testing for Saxon, which is a sound healing app It's, we call it the evolution of your well-being journey. This app is a spiritual Swiss army knife for solving human problems. And it links sequences of wisdom practices together, interspersed with journaling prompts to help you meet your challenge, question or opportunity with your own inner wisdom. So it's all about practices that link you into your deep inner wisdom so that you can, instead of worrying about your problems, solve them with kind of all of your resources online. Um, nice. so, so yeah, so we're kind of tinkering away with the beta test at the moment and hopefully it will be out before too long.
0: Yes. Very good. So stay tuned for uh, Saxon and it's, and it's also a lot of sound healing in that it sounds like too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the sound healings are, I listen to one every morning. And my body goes into spontaneous movement with them. And to me, they feel like almost like vibrational medicine. Um, So, yeah, they're very special. And I've been working with a, So I I bring through the sounds. Um, It's kind of part of my healing practice is I listen at the level of spirit and express what I discover there. And then I have this wonderful alchemical music producer layers it all together into something even greater than the sum of the you know the channel so yeah really cool exciting
0: wow congrats on that congratulations so to work with Neil my you know you'll be able to see how to get a hold of him in the show notes because he also does wellness coaching he as I mentioned in the bio he's a international speaker on leadership as well. So lots of, and mindfulness is, is huge in, and meditation. So in the show notes, you'll know how to get to, I get hold of Neil to work with him. So thank you for sharing all of this with us.
1: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: So if you had one action item, I always like to leave our audience with, um, just something that we can, an action item that we can work toward this week. What would be one that you would recommend for us?
1: So this is my favorite mini, mini, mini practice. Like it's super short. It's called FHB. We can do it together um, without even closing our eyes. So F stands for feet on the floor. So we want to actually feel the feet on the floor. So we drop awareness like a stone through the body all the way to the soles of the feet. And then just really get in contact with the sensations that are coming back from the soles of the feet. So you you might feel your socks. You might feel your shoes. You might feel the carpet or the wood on the floor. And just get that sense of landing. So F, feet on the floor. H is hand on heart. So we might put one hand or both hands on the heart. And we do this because it reminds us that our heart is the most powerful electromagnetic organ in the body, more powerful than the brain. So it's the seat of, it's not just the seat of love, which sometimes we think of as a sort of fluffy thing. It's this powerhouse of energy, connectivity, compassion harmony. And that's our, that's our birthright. When we were born, the first signal from the fetus went from the heart to the brain, not from the brain to the heart. So we're heart-initiated beings. Um, so feet on the floor, hands on heart. And then B is body-on-breathing. So body-on-breathing is just consciously breathing. So feeling the sensations of the breath, the inhale, knowing that we're inhaling, feeling the sensations, and then exhaling knowing that we're exhaling and feeling the sensations of the exhale. So if you imagine doing a little FHB, and we can just let the practice dissolve now, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: doing an FHB, perhaps when an email arrives that sends you into a bit of a panic. So before (laughs) you react to it, take a little moment, do an FHB, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, however, however long you want, before you respond to it. What it does is it reminds us to keep all of our kind of goodies online. So sometimes when we're anxious or we panic, we lose connectivity with our rational thinking. And that's because we've gone into the stress response. And The stress response basically disconnects us from the prefrontal cortex in various ways. And so being in the body with the heart, breathing allows us just to self-soothe a little bit before we get into whatever happens next. Um, so FHB.
0: FHB, that we have it, guys. That what a gift! Thank you so much for sharing that with us, and that's such good advice. Can't tell you how many times I had responded to emails when I should have done an H- F-H- <laughs> Yeah. <me too>. Uh, <laughs> so then, finally, you know, first of all, could you just give us a few of your handles for those that are listening on how to get a hold of you before we move on?
1: Yeah, so Instagram, I'm Neil Seligman. LinkedIn just my full name, Neil Seligman. I'm not so much on Twitter these days. I am on TikTok, just Neil Seligman. Um, and then the websites theconsciousprofessional.com for the corporate side and neilseligman.com for the more kind of public books and events and retreats and things like that.
0: Super. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. So finally, we had we have to wait for it, wait for it till the end of the uh... End of the show to talk about '80s trends. So, tell us, Neil, what were your favorite things of the 1980s for trends?
1: Yeah. So, I think for me, it's Dynasty, the shoulder pads, the cat bites. I get some of that because I'm a big fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, and you often see this sort of thing uh, in their sketches, sometimes in their costumes. But that was so cool when I was allowed to watch it. My mom watched all of the, you know, Dallas and did a scene, Dallas, all those, Yeah. <laughs> um, Who shot Jr.? I know, <laughs> the biggest question of the 80s.
0: Dallas at Dynasty. I mean, how can we forget the hair? I mean, it's like so on point every episode. I mean, I don't know how, how they did. I mean, it's Aquanet is how they did it. You know, a yeah. lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it. <laughs> And the yeah. shoulder pads, you know, I, I, I was, I did see that. I, I'm supporting, a, you know, a little bit of dynasty in my, in my shoulders today. Um, okay. I have to say, a shoulder pad, you know, I remember having shoulder pads, and I, I have to say, it does give you a good, it gives you a good silhouette.
1: I think my first suit as a barrister had like shoulder pads in it. Yeah, that was still a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, not an enormous yeah. one. But there was something. <laughs> Without the
0: sparkles.
1: (laughs) Sparkles, the wig, the gown, sparkles.
0: Uh, Did you have to wear a wig as a a barrister? Yeah. Oh, shays. I I (laughs) guess.
1: I mean, everything wig, gown.
0: Do they still wear wigs?
1: Little white kind of tassels out the front collars that come off and you have to put these little clips in and and then oh. this other collar, with like a dinner jacket collar. So uncomfortable. These sort of bits of metal ask. sticking in what? really hot, hot day, no air conditioning and a wig wig. down suit. Ugh, having, in,
0: having enjoyed many costumes in my life, wigs are hot. Like, so I can't imagine. I mean, I, if I were a barrister, I would be sweating. Like I would all my makeup would be <laughs> all yeah. over my white.
1: <laughs> you see that. You see that sometimes. Yeah. That, oh Wait, it's...
0: so because the women wear wigs too?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Wow. And they're <laughs> all the same. They're all the same wig?
1: No, no. Yeah. You can choose your design and color. Really? Um, and the the more kind of disgusting... And urine coloured your wig is kind of the more respect you get because your wig's really old.
0: <laughs> I uh, see.
1: So you don't, you don't
0: change that. I'm Like today, oh, wow. I'm wearing brown curls. Tomorrow.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they're really expensive though. So you, most people did not have multiple ones because they're yeah. a lot of people Because I think you cool. did.
0: I can guarantee. Uh, How many wigs did you have?
1: No, I had one, and I, I lost it as did. well. I lost oh. it just just as I was. Leaving my career, I lost it, and on a train, and I would often lose it on trains. Like I'd done it maybe four or five times, and it would always come back yeah. somehow. But this time, it never came back, and I took that as a sign that that yes. was I know I no longer needed my wig. So.
0: Wow, that is so interesting, so fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. And but that is that that is a message from the universe. You're exact doing exactly the work you're supposed to be doing now for sure. Yeah.
1: I told my that story to my mom. I was like, oh, it, you know, it's meant to be. I'm not meant to doing this anymore. And she was like, I paid for that week. It was like a thousand pounds or something. I was like, oh, sorry. No. <laughs> um, so Yeah, the story didn't go off very well with my mom. But i no. um, struggling with my, because my career transition at that point was going from a great career to nothing. <laughs> so they were like, they weren't really here for it.
0: Yes, yes, yes. But once again, just, cool, just to follow up, that's your truth, your yeah. honesty, all of that comes right through and you're doing exactly what, you, what you're what you supposed to be doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's very cool. Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I mean, it's been such a pleasure to see you.
1: My pleasure. All all is mine. Uh, always great. glad to see you. To have
0: yes, you. yes. Well, until next time. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80s song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.